This is a family matter, the casualties after the intergalactic battles this little child slept through. If life is a story, then mine is a saga. And we'll ride it long enough if they let you. This is a family matter, the casualties after the intergalactic battles this little child slept through. If life is a story, then mine is a saga. And we'll ride it long enough if they let you. And we'll ride it long enough if they let you. And we'll ride it long enough if they let you. Welcome back to Brian K. Pod, the internet's only podcast focused on the comic book writings of Brian K. Vaughn, hosted by myself, Spencer. And me, Logan. Typically, what we do every uh, episode of this podcast is break down an episode of Brian K. Vaughn's uh, comic book saga. We are taking a break uh, between basically every single graphic novel uh, collection. So we finished the first six issues of Saga. We're taking a break to look at something else. Logan, tell them what we're doing this week. We are going to be talking about, I don't know how we're going to do it in an hour, but we're going to be talking about uh, Brian K. Vaughn's The Private Eye, which was released digitally and then collected into a beautifully I don't know. How Wide. would you describe it? Yes. <laughs> Wide. <laughs> That's a very nice term. Wide. Hard It doesn't fit on my bookshelf. <laughs> Leave it to him to write something um, so absolutely fucking fantastic and then make it as awkward as possible for you to put it on your shelf. <laughs> it really is like a tripping hazard on the, my bookshelves. And I have pretty big bookshelves. It, you do. I've seen them. And they are packed like... You, uh, yeah, we won't even talk about your library. It, it's, it is a nerd, uh, like mecca almost. <laughs> I think I'm gonna like because it's sort of the width. I mean, it's obviously the width of a comic book box uh, when it's on its side. So I think I'm just gonna put it on top of a comic book box on my comic book box shelves because that is deep enough. Um, but it is like a super wide book. Anyway, we don't need to spend like ten minutes talking about the size of it. <laughs> the size doesn't That's what matter. She said. It's um, the quality of the work. Um, okay, so uh, I was looking for my phone Because I have notes on my phone And then I put my phone down And I don't know where the hell I put it down <laughs> I love it in a podcast When you can tell someone moved away from their mic And it sounds like they're in a hollow box Yeah, um, I was uh, listening to something uh, A few days ago And somebody kept doing that And I was like Why don't they tell them to stop? <laughs> But anyway, whatever. I'm back. I have my phone. We have notes. Um, so uh, I don't. I don't know. Let's let's get into it. Spoilers for uh, the Private Eye. Uh, order it from uh, Spencer. Got you. Got yours from In Stock Trades. In Stock Trades. Okay. I was gonna say yep. what name was on. Was it? Nope. Um, yep. In In Stock Trades. Uh, you can order it from Amazon, but why not support? You know. A better business and still save just as much money. So in stock charge. Just like support more people than just Bezos's gigantic uh, yacht that he's going to dismantle a bridge for. Anyway, um, this this book is the width of his yacht. (laughs) (laughs) Back on that, Um, holding it as our talk as I'm talking to you is just sort of it's like it's just staring at me. Anyway, it's so big, Logan. Um, So it is funny that that Vaughn. Here's the thing we've talked a lot about Vaughn, a lot about with Vaughn's work is that um, he works within the familiar and then does something 
totally new. Um, and so I think you, you have been like, like I've uh, not to just like to dismiss my excitement about talking about this, but you have been like extra excited. Like I've been getting regular texts from you as you've been reading it. And um, so my, my question is, this is a, from the title itself, it's a, a private eye story, um, very akin to, um, to something like uh, Chinatown comes to mind. It's sort of a kind of a touch point that everybody's heard of at least. Um, but uh, it's a, it's a total, um, uh, you know, throwback, it's crime it's noir. Like it, it is. It's 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 going to sound weird to say this. Like I know how much people love Blade Runner, and I do too. But this is more. This has more in common with those those old school detective stories, which Chinatown was a throwback to. The Sam Spade stuff, um, Maltese Falcon, uh, The Big Sleep, all that than Blade Runner ever really did. Blade Runner leaned really hard into the sci-fi stuff with that kind of uh, crime noir detective like tinge to it. Um, but this is full on, I, I mean, I don't want to say he cribbed the Chinatown story because I mean, he didn't, there's so many stories like that, but it, like at one point I was like, I feel like I'm reading Chinatown and like what's going to happen like when we get to the big big reveal of what this is all about it's not going to be like something huge like an avengers level kind of thing it's going to be dramatic to this world but then i was kind of sort of wrong because like it is a big deal <laughs> like the dude's like spoilers but the dude's going to launch a fucking satellite into space that's a big deal but like to bring back the internet like it's insane where this story goes so right, i'm gonna pump the brakes for a second i'm gonna pump the brakes right. on you because you're doing good you're excited and i love it so here's my question to you that i that i didn't get out because i got jumbled in my words um which is going to be the theme for this episode um so my question is, we talk about Vaughn playing with these things that we know, these tropes and these worlds and these things we know. Chinatown, you've referenced a lot. Does Vaughn keep his track record and um, and do something new with what we know, or does he do something that we know really well? Like, does he does he do something that we know but do it does it really well, or is he doing something new with something we've known for a long time? I, I That's think my he's question. Definitely doing something new with something familiar. Um, I, I feel like his track record is definitely intact, including being the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet when it comes to his artistic partners. Because holy shit, Marcos Martin and I do not know how I'm going to fuck up this name. Munza Vicente are just incredible. They have to do uh, Star Wars level. Here's our Star Wars reference costume design on uh, like every other page is a different character design because in this world everybody wears a disguise and an elaborate weird disguise 
Yeah, no, I agree. So I want to read you something. I don't know if you have in yours, but in my collected edition, um, at the end, there's like a letter from Brian K. Vaughn sort of talking about how his digital platform panel syndicate and this book itself kind of came into place. Um, but it's this paragraph specifically about this book. So and about Marcos. So I first met Marcos and his stunningly talented Better Half Munza way back in the 20th century when they were crashing around the corner from my old studio apartment on 10th Street in Manhattan. From the beginning, it was clear that Marcos, along with being one of the best artists in the history of comics, was also a grumpy, stubborn contrarian. And, and then he goes, the next sentence is, we got along fucking great. <laughs> and and to me, I'm like, okay, immediately I see how this partnership happened and how this book is the result of that partnership in one paragraph. It It's, again, like I said, lucky, and that just proves it. Like, that's how they met. Complete and total luck and I'm kind of hate him for that. <laughs> Aw, don't hate. I mean, I I love it. It's because I don't draw, isn't it? Like, like you met me and I'm great, but I don't. Yeah, draw. why? That's why couldn't you be a great artist? I have tried a lot. It's, it's very funny artist. how bad I am. It's very very funny how bad I am at that. But I have tried. Um, or uh, adversely, why couldn't I be a great visual artist? Yeah, it's your fault, not my fault. You let me down. Um, no, okay, okay. So he does something new with the familiar. Um, let's set the stage a little bit about the story because you've talked around it, and we're assuming people have read it, but you know, maybe they haven't. Um, and so, uh, the, I think that, um, the, the back of the book actually does a good job, which they don't always do. So I'm just going to read the back of the book to kind of keep it nice and clean. Um, years after the digital cloud burst, in quotes, um, and exposes all of our most confidential hopes and fears, the private eye is set in an inevitable future where everyone will have a secret identity. Following an unlicensed PI as he's thrust into the most important case of his life, the sci-fi mystery explores the nature of privacy with frightening prescience. So, and to take it one step further, uh, the plot itself, a, a woman, is a dame is murdered um, because she was involved with the wrong sort, a man who wanted to uh, bring back the now outlawed internet um, for corporate and philosophical reasons, um, which always go together very well, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to jump to, because I, I did jump to the end, but like, even I was just like, oh wait, the dude's not entirely wrong. Like, it, the, again, he's throwing like everything for a loop. Like, the good guys are the good guys, but are they the good guys? You know, the um, the first thing that that hit me was this idea of the fourth estate that the media and the police are one entity now. It's like the same thing. Yeah. Yes, and so like they are creating the news but they report the news it, it it's it it kind of just broke my brain like like thinking about that as i was reading it um there's, I, immediately there's definitely I, like, an I have to know what spencer thinks <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely an element where I would love to hear Vaughn just kind of talk about that concept for like an hour <laughs> um, and just kind of like dig into it. But I, I think that um, it's fascinating. And, and I love nothing more in science fiction than the stuff that's like that when I'm old, I can fact check. 
Would that make sense? Like 2075, I think, is when this book is set, is not that far from now. Um, and so I love that sort of sci-fi. I, I love all the crazy stuff, but I, I, once it gets into super future, I like it when it takes a left turn into Star Wars or something just totally out of this world, right? But the sci-fi stuff that I love is like this, the very speculative, what would happen if X, Y, and Z happened. Um, and um, I, and and so I, I really love that. Um, that sort of speculation, and and I love what he's playing with because it's not just lofty ideas about privacy, which is definitely the foundation of of what he's exploring in terms of theme. He, that's written in the back of the book in the notes of the the collected edition. He talks about how this all I started with the idea of exploring what privacy and what's important about it and what's not important about it and what where we're going in terms of privacy. Um, but I love I love that that I'm gonna be old and be like, I remember the private eye and <laughs> you were totally right. But the media thing is where we're at now more than ever um, is looking at uh, the role of the media and what it might take to to get it there. And I do like the idea that potentially what founded uh, that shift, like where we're at now in this book, I think sort of speaks to the idea that all ideas eventually corrupt if they're an authority, you know, um, but the idea is that it started because all secrets of every kind everywhere were exposed to everyone, that meaning there had to be a total reset, you had to be clean to start the new thing. At some point, this was a pure idea, and I love that the pure idea was the truth is the police. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it it, like I said, it kind of just broke my brain. And it, adversely, he creates this. Uh, so the fourth estate is the, the police and the media. And then what's illegal is, uh, of course, snooping into people's privacy. But their their PIs are private eyes, but they, they call them the paparazzi. Um, so he kind of, like, that's a negative turn term anyway and to take it to a like also a negative place but a positive place as well like i i just love the way he played with the the concepts um and then you know later you're talking about uh just the idea of privacy and then the the library becomes such an important place and that that's where everybody's private um, conversations, online identity, everything is stored in the library. So it's not the library is not about uh, knowledge anymore and spreading knowledge. It becomes about keeping secrets, um, which yeah. was another like crazy flip. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that's OK. I'm with you. Something else I love is that that the story weaponizes the whole thing of like vinyl sounds better. I don't want to read a Kindle. I want to read a book because it says like the plot requires that basically. Um, like there's like like Vaughn gets to play with any of those kind of feelings we have of nostalgia and appreciation for a certain quality that's lost in the digital age by while creating a digital comic. <laughs> yes. And so, oh, oh, my gosh, did I even. OK, so I don't think I read that. So here's the fun part. Um, so not the fun part, but here's another fun part of I really love this collected edition. I really do recommend it. There's a lot. There's emails between Marcos and Brian. So you can kind of hear the pitch his entire uh, brief summary of the book and like where he came up with his ideas is all in here and it's all sorts of cool stuff but the opening letter is really good um and so one of the things he says though um is 
that uh, when I told the first thing he says is when I told Marcos I was thinking about a comic set in a futuristic United States that no longer use the internet. His first suggestion was that we should make the story exclusively available online. <laughs> <laughs> and but you know what? That's the, the sort of the that's the, that's the I think the book takes that ethos all the way through to the end because I think that there's this great argument with Mel, the teenage girl who wants to, who's like not yet uh, at adulthood, so she can't have false identities and, and secret identities. Um, false may be more loaded. I, I'm not going to judge their identities. Let's say secret. Um, and and uh, and Degure, I think is how you say it, they're the bad guy. They're having this conversation and he's like, this will free everybody. And she's like, they're just going to sit at home and look at their phones all the time. And like, and I'm going, she's not wrong. And then I'm going, he's not wrong. Cause they, cause there's, there's an element with this giant wall, which is gosh, man, the timing of this book and things. I know the wall is keeping out the ocean, the rising seas. Um, but also it's not just that, you know, it's a, there's clearly a, America's become isolationist. We don't know what's happening outside of the walls and the internet will bring us together for that. And it's this fascinating combo of like, they're both right. And they're both wrong. And this book is doing the same thing. It's like, hey, this is all about how like this paper stuff is great, but also you can only get it online. And that's cool. Yeah. And so at some point in that that exchange, um, I believe that that's when uh, whatever, however you pronounce his name, Daguerre, uh, says something to the effect of like America as a country because we've lost the internet, we ceased to understand that there's a world outside of us. So from what I gathered, the wall is, is there to hold back the, the rising tides outside of California because of, you know, what we've done to the earth. That kind of seems like where it's going. Um, it's also kind of funny because Chinatown is about letting the water controlling the water and yes you know um but uh so good that was such a good that i was like they found a way to incorporate the water <laughs> like i really thought like they're playing chinatown but then all of a sudden no literally here's the water <laughs> yep you can't um, you can't get there's too much coming into los angeles now whereas before they're trying to get it too lot they need it in right. los angeles very funny um so but yeah, I'm, I'm having such a hard time like narrowing it down to one thought process. But the idea that um, with the internet, we become zombies that just look at our phone, but it does give us a, a sense of what's going on outside our own world or our own country. And without the internet, we have literally, in the book, walled ourselves off to, to stop really caring about what goes on outside of our own walls and it it's a like any but good also is what noir. we're doing now but it's also like what we're doing right now right it's it's it's, it's a lose lose any good great noir story really is lose lose there is no happy ending you know um and and it's just it's so well told i i uh, uh, so okay, so so take a breath and and you're so I like you're so you're so like I'm just gonna go just gonna say the truth. You're horny on Maine for this book, and I love it. Yep. <laughs> and so um so uh, here's the thing that I like is that a lot of noir. So so like 
So the ending of Chinatown. Chinatown is one of those movies. We got. I'm just going to like quickly, briefly, briefly just comment. It's problematic because of Roman Polanski. I acknowledge that, but it's also a classic that you cannot remove from its classic status because of what it is. So it's like you go. Picasso was a jerk. He did really amazing paintings, though. You can't say that those paintings aren't good. You can say that dude was a jerk. I'm going to acknowledge that, and we're just going to keep talking about Chinatown. Um, so done that. Moving forward, I just feel like in the spirit of what Vaughn does in his work, I need to do that and then move forward. Um, yeah. So, so at the end of the book, though, and at the end of Chinatown, so into the Chinatown, it's like that's that's Chinatown, Jake. Right? That's the last line, right? That's the big famous last line, and it's just kind of like that's how it is. It's just so it goes, and we yep. just keep doing our thing. And at the end of this book, while our main character or one of our main characters, the private eye, the PI is, is most likely gone. Um, there is this element though, where the, the, the sister, the surviving sister of the victim, which I, I really love this. Um, she gets a part of his camouflage, uh, jacket basically. Um, and puts it on and and now she is uh the private eye right in like kind of a very metaphorical visual way she's all you can see is her eye beyond the the mask um but but it's putting the power in this female's hand the dame sister who's usually another victim because that's like chinatown that is a kind of a subversion there where the sister mother blah 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 but either way she's still alive um and and or she's not she's like more still just a victim by the end of the movie um but in this book the end the sister is now she's the private eye um um, and that's a really cool subversion, but the the big thing is there. I like the subversion, but their subversion, but embracing the the, the history is sh- the only thing you can do in all this complicated gray mess is keep fighting the fight. That's all you can do. And she puts on the mask. She's the private eye. She's doing. She, it's mentioned by the reporter that she's doing someone, but we know it's her. Is keeping on being a private eye um and and so she's going to keep fighting the fight because that's what you do it's just chinatown jake you just do what you got to keep doing to survive and i love that there's like subversion on top of affirmation or confirmation of the the classic uh beats of the story it's a really cool you know what it is man it's what tarantino does when he's at his best in movies um and without any like the because there's not i think there's a lot of like uh sassiness with that so like remove all that and 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 that's what this book is kind of doing with noir via comic book form is just really playing so much homage but also totally twisting it on its head um by saying like because it is a huge deal in my opinion because classically the female is the victim or the prize to win or rescue at the end not the person who becomes the hero at the end so it's not some sort of like uh, social justice like gender flipping period it is a total subversion of the classic plot points of these stories and then also total homage to the classic stories it's a, it's a great this is the perfect way to do that thing that we're trying that, that that is trying to be done uh a lot of times when genders are flipped or races are flipped or whatever else it's saying something new by seriously paying homage to the old and yeah absolutely including i i don't i could be off base here but um i'm hoping you can kind of confirm what i felt uh, so at the the end, what happens is the dam explodes, the water's going to rush in, like everybody who's there needs to get to safety, and we kind of uh, lose uh, private a PI is basically what they call him through the whole story, uh, although it's Patrick Immelman, right? Um, yeah. Which PI, but it's it's weird how they play with that that whole thing, but he 
his life is essentially lost in, in the flood of that water. And, you know, then we get to the point where like, Oh, is he dead? Is he still alive? I got flashes of Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Like, it, because, I mean, there's a waterfall. Yeah. That's uh, how Holmes dies in the quote unquote dies. I mean, there's a waterfall that yeah. you could bring him back. Right. So I'm not, I, I was hoping that I didn't feel like, Oh, I'm way off base here. Good. You felt that way too. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I think not that's only direct, is he, yeah. Yeah. He's not just referencing those movies and books of the forties and fifties. He's going back to, um, Baker Great street, detective. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's so just inventive and crazy. And like you said, homage is so much stuff without, feeling like a ripoff because every time I thought they were going in the direction of one of those classics, he, he takes a left turn and you know, we're somewhere completely different. Well, it's funny. So you mentioned Holmes. There's also, um, something that I learned about last year, I believe. So, cause there's a Netflix show and there's also a movie anime series, whatever. But there's a character called Lupin, you know, Lupin at all, like Lupin the third, and there's a Netflix show uh, with Omar Sy, yeah. a French show. Yep. So, so Lupin is a character that, and I did not know, uh, this is all new to me, so I'm not, I'm no expert not claiming that, but Lupin is a character who predates Holmes and I believe overlaps some, um, but a French character who's basically a master of disguise in the French Sherlock Holmes. Um, and and so, but, but what Lupin is, uh, most of all, is a, a gentleman thief and a master of disguise and identity. Okay, so I even feel that that Vaughn is is referencing not only Holmes, especially with the conclusion of the waterfall death, um, and and Chinatown. But I think there's a lot of loop in there because the whole DNA of this um, of this book is the changing of the costumes of everybody, right? The the disguises of everybody, but then our character um, who won't do that, which is what separates him. Nobody changes their identity except for Lupin, right? The inversion is everybody does except for PI, and then PI, uh, but PI is a total has a code, is a gentleman in his own way, in an old school way that is beyond kind of what the newfangled anything goes in within your secret identity world um so he's he's even playing with lupin and it's all it's just like all the most like that's like the the debate is who who is the, the the originator of this type of character and lupin sherlock holmes are all in that dna of the beginning and then chinatown's probably the pinnacle in the 1970s 60s and so um it's just it's just amazing from beginning to now and then he leaves it open for more which i don't know if i care about but i think that that's the brilliant comic book writer Brian K. Vaughn going, we can have a perfect ending, but also know we could do it to be continued because comic books live forever. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing, are there letters columns in your book? Uh, no, it's not letters columns. It's all just like behind the scenes stuff. Okay. Um, so in the digital issues, I actually have a letters page, oh, um, cool. which, which That's was awesome. fun. Um, it, it, when I found that out, of course, I had to seek out the digital version so I could, cause I love to read the letters, but, um, he, at one point he addresses someone who says, are we going to get more in this world? And like, he, he kind of firmly states we're not going to get more, uh, PI, um, which comes before the end. And I was like, 
kind of sad when I read that. I was like, oh, man, like, I know they haven't revisited it, but in a world where Saga took a three-year break, you know, we could come back to this. And then when I got to the end, I was like, oh, I think he he was alluding to, like, yes, there could be more in this world, but we're, we're done with P.I. story after this. Um, I, and, you know, honestly, I meant to look into Panel Syndicate and see what else was out there. And I never did. Did you? Nope. Nope. I didn't. I honestly didn't look into the back until this morning. I just kind of like slipping through going, hey, I didn't look at any of this. What all's here? I thought it was script pages because they're emails and it kind of looked like script pages the way it's formatted. Yeah. Um, and so and I usually don't typically read the script pages. Um, and so I was just like, you know, no big deal. But then I realized what it was. So no, I so I, I didn't even know about um, the the website until getting to that this morning. Um, yeah, so panel, panelsyndicate.com is the website, um, and I'll have to do some digging uh, sometime before our next recording, and maybe we can touch back briefly and see if there's anything else out there. Um, even like short, you know, web comics just set in this world would be fun. Um, I, I, I want. It sounds so ridiculous to be like, I'm curious who your favorite character in all of this is outside of pi because i feel like it's easy to say pi um it sounds like such a marvel dc kind of thing but like it's such a rich rich world and we get introduced to so much like who do you love i love his grandpa i, I was gonna bring him up when you were talking about i'm gonna be the old man i remember in private we have that character in the book <laughs> So, so that, so the thing about that guy is, I look around. No, I'm not even going to look outside of myself. I'm going to totally reflect on myself and just own it. I look at the tattoos on my arms, and and I think about how um, I th I look around uh, right now. I have one, two, three screens live in front of me. <laughs> Four. I didn't include my phone. Four screens live in front of me. I see a Kindle on this. I see a remote control for my air conditioner. I see Bluetooth headphones. I'm talking to you on noise-canceling headphones. If I turn just slightly to my left, I see another Fire Kindle, like a tablet. This, like, I am that guy. I am that guy right now with the cloud. Including the, the big screen. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Oh, and I always also have, yes, I also have a wall-sized screen in the same room I am in. Um, and so um, I am totally that guy. He says some words to, like, his grandkid. And I'm like, that's how my generation is going to talk to their grandkids because that's, that's how we know how to communicate. Our proper is different than the proper of the of our grandparents, right? So if you have a grandparent that talks to you properly, because my grandparents are a little funky, but everybody's got funky grandparents, but there's like, you know, that kind of old school way of speaking, mm -hmm. and that's gone. And in, 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 in 2073, it'll be totally gone, and there'll be you'll be left with me going like, do you know what this tattoo means? <laughs> it means Ahsoka Tano who? Who, Ahsoka who? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Star Wars Rebels is that is that was that like eighty years ago, Dad? What are you or Gramps? What are you talking about? Like it, like it, it is that's I am that guy. But I love the perspective because also you know what he kept all his charger cables and was able to that, charge that, that was, light up. That was such a brilliant little aside of where like they have this at one point they have uh, I think it's an iPad and also a Zoom and of course the Zoom these people do not know what this tech is because. The they can't turn it on. Yeah, they don't know how to do it. Um, and it, it becomes the reverse of like old people don't know how to use new technology 
to like young people don't know how to use old technology and so once good. again playing with those tropes and then and just being like there's a box in the garage there's a charger out there i know there is like and so many eight feet times. behind me that box sits <laughs> eight feet behind me directly mine's currently in storage because i don't have a place to put it but yes i have one as well um but in so it's many a perfect, times like pi yeah. just dismisses him like you're an old like insane man and you don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> and also i get that on a daily basis from my 14 year old niece <laughs> it's a perfect combo of joke and also they leverage that to, to plot point because you're like this there's tension in will they get the thing turned on so they can find the the hostage and stop the rocket from going into space. Like, like, so not only is it funny and it's a good joke and it's also a huge plot point and full of tension. That's fantastic storytelling. Yeah. I, I feel like in the, the, like the old stories, it would be some kind of code that they have to crack. Right. Um, yes. Something or something brand them. new. If the, the technology that the rich person has is different than what everyone else has and they don't know how to use it. Right. And in this, it, it just the reverse. And he's a fucking genius. I mean, at some point when we first started reading this, uh, it might have been before you had started, I said something akin to like, I, I'm pretty sure this solidifies in my mind, he is the greatest living uh, comic book writer, if not you, one of the what? greatest writers in general. <laughs> Do you know what it is, though, for me that I think separates this work from other works that kind of do the same thing? Um, and, or let me rephrase, attempt to do the same thing, because no, I don't think I've read anything that it quite does what this does, um, is that uh, Vaughn is interested in a dialogue within his story, in, in a dialogue of theme and a dialogue between characters. He is not looking to preach at you. Uh, whereas like uh, Frank Miller seems like such a low hanging fruit, but might as well take a swing. Right. So like he he is screaming from the side of the road with his placard in his hand, whatever his message is in his books. Right. Yeah. And and Vaughn is having similar conversations to something like The Dark Knight Returns. But is doing it in a way that is not even it's not even that it's optimistic, like it's brightly colored. That's probably the most positive difference on the surface. But it's it's he is having a dialogue with the past and the present and the future and and saying, like, what's the deal, guys? Like he's like investigating, like there's problems here. There's warnings here. There's there's affirmations here. There's a lot of stuff going on. And and while telling a good story all at the same time, whereas Miller sort of always yells from every angle, um, and and it, it, to me that works best in Batman Year One because that book has one angle of Batman figuring out who he's going to be. That's the angle, right? So it's very simple and clean. Um, even things like Dark Knight Returns don't hold up quite as well because it's like we live in the age he was warning us about, and it's still like you're still screaming at us, like you're just screaming at us, and we're living it, and that's like a little exhausting. This is a dialogue uh, with within itself, and it's and what that does, though, like any good conversation, and I'll shut up to prove the point. It lets somebody else into the conversation um, because it's a dialogue; it's open. So, what, what do you think about that? I 100% agree. Um, he he is the anti Frank Miller. Like that's a perfect kind of analogy. Like, but so at the same time, so a lot of comic book people. 
uh, will bring up Alan Moore as the greatest comic book writer. And it's a hard thing to argue against. Um, he's not as um, uh, angry uh, as Frank Miller, or at least as vocally angry as Frank Miller. Um, mm-hmm. But he does create kind of nihilistic uh, stories. He does work curmudgeonly. Within, yes. <laughs> um, he does work within different uh, genres. Not It's not strictly superheroes or um, anything like that. Like, he kind of... Yeah spread it all out but i i don't want to sound like an ass but like i read alan moore's stuff and it feels like this dude is talking down to me all the time he's very like, he, he's very smart and he's he weaponizes that yeah it, that's it, not it, that's not engaging that's a lecture yeah it, it, it they're great so watchman is a great story but I mean, Jesus, man, it's a 12-issue comic book that is going to take you two weeks to read because there's so much there. It's so dense. Like, if you do not immediately get into it, you, you're not going. You're not going to get it. You're you're going to see the <laughs> you're going to see the Zack Snyder version of it, um, which isn't terrible. It's still an entertaining story, but you lose so much of the depth of it. You. I don't feel like yeah. Vaughn ever does that. Like he never no. loses the the message trying to to preach at you, like you said. Yeah, there's there's a humanism. He's he's not, like so. I don't want it to be like a, he's not as smart as them. Like I, you know, we we know like he's smarter than us, so we don't think we're as smart as Vaughn. But the trick is between the difference between all these guys and Vaughn is Vaughn is more humanistic about all of it. At, at the heart of Saga, there's this family story, right? And and um, at the heart of this, there's a dialogue between like ideals and concerns about the future, and and um, without definitive answers because we're not in the future so we actually don't have those answers and you can project those things but vaughn is smart enough to know it's more interesting to talk about what could happen yeah um so uh, to take it in a different uh, talking about things that reminded us of um Mm -hmm. i i felt like i was reading um mr robot almost it had the same kind of like the way it pulled me in and the same kind of ideas behind like you think what you want is the fall of the system but when you get that it's not going to be what you think it is like people will always use um something to their advantage you know you're not just going to lose corporations they're going to still exist they'll just find a way to control it differently um and so we kind of got that with the the whole the government like we we want the media to be better uh we want you know the internet not to be such a like just disgusting place um so maybe we'd be better off without those things well no because then you get what what this is like it might seem better and there's a lot of people in this world who are just happy to live in that ignorance but it's also not that great of a world when you have those things. It, like it, it just, I, lo- I loved every damn second of this story. That's awesome. I know. I mean, I, I think that we've said a lot about it and I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I, I think that, let me ask you about the format. 
um, the, the wide format. Um, what do you think the, so the artwork is great. We've talked about that already, that Marcos Martin's work just sort of, it's just another great partnership uh, in creativity on, on his part. Um, what did you think about the formatting though? I, I get that in the digital format, you can do whatever, um, but as I look at in print, it's widescreen. It reminds me there's like an X-Men annual around the Grant Morrison days um, that yep. was, and so it reminded me of that. Um, what did you think of the sort of widescreen approach to the comic books? Once I figured out how to get it to fit on my Kindle, <laughs> it was great <laughs> because okay. it was yeah. it was uh, set up to split up two page spreads, and essentially it's a two page spread. And even when I would turn it on its side, it it was like upper. It was like the old pan and scan thing. I would I was like, oh, I got to flip it on its side, then it'll be widescreen. Nope, then it just blew up half a page image. I was like, oh my god, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Once I figured it out. It, I, I imagine it looks beautiful on the page, but being created for a digital device, um, I, I don't, it, everything just popped so well. And it, it felt like I was reading a movie, you know, which was, I think the idea when Marvel did that, that widescreen annual thing, the X-Men movie was, had just come out or was just coming out. So it was like, oh, it's going to be widescreen like a movie. And I yeah. mean, I don't know that they succeeded with with their. Uh, I haven't read it. I've read it so long ago that I couldn't remember. And, and I don't know that it really works in a like a floppy kind of form. Like it's so like hard to just hold that. Whereas a book, you can just set it down on the table, and it it has that weight to it. So it yeah, works. This, this is. This was definitely it was like I always had to find a space or usually I can just sort of sit and like with anything I'm reading, but I had to like find a place to like lay this down and really dig into it because of the size. But it was um, no, I liked it a lot. There's a lot of really great long wide panels that they they make really good use of the space, even when it's just like two people standing next to each other. Um, and as I'm flipping through, I'm seeing things like the the. Um, the uh, the cemetery scene where PI brings in his ex for a little bit of help. Um, and <laughs> Another then... like flipped on its like head kind of thing. I kind of felt like it was coming, but it was still such a good like. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is why he does not care about like the girl. Like it's it, it isn't. Oh, I'm gonna get the girl at the end. We're like he he cuts that off like. This is not a love story. It's never going to be a love story. So you can just get that out of your head. <laughs> and then I do love how she says something. She says, I don't know you at all, do I? And he goes, kind of the point. And I'm like, yep, that's all. It's all just, it's a good joke. It's a good subversion. That's really good. Um, but there's panels with like the rocket that make the rocket much more imposing and scary um, because of the wide uh, screen. Because um, I can't imagine if you flip that and then it just doesn't work the same. And so... They're able to go uh, make things more intense when they need to be, more exciting when they need to be, and 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 in ways that like the 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 reveal of the view from the top of the dam with the ocean is a really cool big wide panel. Um, but there's a lot of that. I thought it was really cool. Um, I don't know honestly just because it's a little cumbersome to read, and obviously I've mentioned put on the shelf. Um, I don't know that I'd want a lot like this, but plus I don't know who could really. I think you'd have to be really 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 thoughtful with, with your layout and design to get this right, which this book is. Um, I don't know that that would be successful if more people did it, but this was a really cool one-off for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't want 
um, a ton of that. Although I am somebody who does have a ton of oddly shaped, oversized, like comics and graphic novels, and they're fun. They're incredibly fun to read, and it. But it it is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> to put them on a shelf and nothing ever fits right and but you know it also makes me it, it it makes me remember that they're there when i'm looking at them like oh yeah i really really love that so so we we do this thing on our saga episode so if you've just come for the private eye and now you're like ooh, we somehow for some reason that we don't understand like listening to logan and spencer talk um and you want to listen to to more of that this is something we do but at the end of every issue i ask you and and i to pick our favorite panel or page from the issue we've just read this is a much bigger collection um and so i'll go a little bit more broad um and say you know if there is a panel or page that was your favorite i would love to you to, to tell me that but if not maybe a moment of storytelling within the book that was your favorite just because it's such a big collection i don't want you to have to like remember off the fly like your favorite one page if you don't have one um it's really really tough and I I don't if I had to pinpoint it to one thing not that it's so great but it just kind of kickstarted everything it, it's in the first issue when he jumps off the building that mm -hmm. that splash page um yeah. I was like oh okay so th that immediately gave me an understanding of kind of what this story was going to be and kind of the the character we're going to be dealing with is kind of brash young like yeah you know, it, it kind of sets the stage I, I it would be hard to say it's my favorite panel but it's certainly one that i remember immediately no that's awesome i, I think that mine um because i feel like this has become my like fun thing to bring up to myself uh, so I've, i was thinking about it as i was reading like oh that is that the one originally i thought it was going to be there's a helicopter landing at a um at an airport or at a, at a hospital and it's schwarzenegger general hospital and i thought i was going to pick that because it's just so funny <laughs> it's such a good joke um because he was governor and at some point they're going to name hospitals after schwarzenegger um but um, I actually ended up picking um there's a there's a series of panels where the rocket essentially launches into the dam instead of going up but there's specifically one where you can just see like the the two characters mel and i think it's ravina but the the sister of fell into the ground and there's like this fizzle almost like a firework that doesn't work right of the rock kind of fizzling into the dam <laughs> and and mel's yelling pi so it's like it's like that humor right it's intense they're falling and they're all red and there's this big close-up of mel and she's screaming pi's name but what i see and it makes me laugh is the panel between the two of the fizzling fire as the rocket went up and went <laughs> into the dam and that is it that to me is like this whole book in in, in one there's so much humor in the seriousness but that keeps me on my toes um and keeps me slightly off balance so i don't ever know what to expect next and so um i really love that page so i'm going with that one as my kind of favorite story moment the last page is pretty great as well but you you already talked about that just the eye and the mask and like it's so the leaves yeah <laughs> like it, it's yeah. such a a stark like just punch in the face um but the whole book is like that i mean we we love uh fiona staples and you know talk mm -hmm. try to talk about her art just as much as his words 
and story, but um, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've got to find more Marcos Martin stuff. Like, this dude is incredible, man. It's funny. My takeaway is uh, a little different, only in that I'm very excited to, to go back to other Vaughn work and to look at future work like this that I had not read before because the, me paying attention to the artist um, versus the writer was a pretty unbalanced thing. I looked at the writer first and the artist second a lot of the time, except for a couple of people. Um, and now I'm just like, I cannot wait to see what other partnerships I'm either going to reevaluate that I haven't, I didn't pay attention to the first time around um, or discover that I've never seen before with, with Vaughn. So I'm very excited for that. Um, just because this keeps proving this isn't further proof of what we're talking about in saga with staples about their partnership. Um, and tease for next week um, on the on the regular episode, um, I listened to like an hour long interview with Fiona Staples, just her talking about her creative process and her history, but specifically a lot of questions were asked about her partnership with Vaughn and how they work together. Some really cool insight into Saga from from her mouth. Um, so we'll talk about that next week. But again, that partnership thing that he's got with artists is really becoming um, a big cornerstone of his work to me. Um, and so I'm, this has made me more excited for to, to discover more of his creative partnerships. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you you read all of why. I, did you finish um uh what was the other the, ex machina yeah ex machina um, um n- no i stopped because we were starting this and so okay. um so i so i did not finish the whole series because i was probably maybe a fifth of the way fourth of the way through something like that and then we started doing this and i was like no i'll just hit the brakes and then um because i figured it would come back around in some form um yeah yeah i mean for sure i I only ever read the the first trade um uh briefly on marcos martin uh the only thing i'd read by him or that he'd drawn before this was there was a batgirl year one miniseries um (laughs) that i absolutely loved uh written by scott Beatty and chuck dixon that he was the artist on and it is phenomenal um i had not realized that he is the artist on dr strange the oath which I believe is what we were planning on doing on our next break. So I mean, the timing of it, I still like, I feel like we still have to do that yep. because of the timing. I think it's best for them with the movie coming out, but uh, but now that's even more fun um, and a through line, and I think it'll make me more thirsty for more of the partnerships. But um, but I still think that's what we got to do. That's kind of exciting. Now we get to go from a world of science fiction um, and private eyes to. Uh, magic and that sounds yeah. really fun I'm excited to see what he does with Doctor Strange so um, yeah I, I, beginning to end this book just blew me away I mean Saga does that as well but it's not a complete story the fact that I knew that there was going to be an ending it, like just kind of propelled me further like yeah. Saga at some point we're going to be caught up and it's going to be waiting 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 Right. <laughs> you know and just having this complete like i don't know i i could have read through it three or four times i I had to pace myself like literally of course i guess if i read it three or four times i wouldn't be so scatterbrained with my thoughts but (laughs) i I think you're excited but that's good that's um 
I, I don't know that much higher recommendation can come in that I'm so I liked it so much I don't even know where to begin like that's that that's a great uh, thing to say and so um, so that is the private eye um, by Brian K Vaughn and Marcos Martin um, is available where books are sold I bet your local comic book store can get it if they don't have it if they don't have it it's because it doesn't fit on their shelves right but um, <laughs> but it is it is worth uh, seeking out and finding and also digitally as it was originally published um, it is it's it's great it's a it's a it's it's exciting um it's it's all the things we've said and and um just further proof of uh why we're doing this podcast uh, and to talk about vaughn's work yeah i i, I know we're kind of on the anti-adaptation of saga but i would very much love to see uh like an adaptation i mean it's it's a perfect the script is there like the whole story's there. I would love to see an adaptation of this. Yeah, I could see, I could really see, um, um, the, what's, gosh, what's his name? Hold on. I'm going to tell you his name. Give me, don't, don't let me peter out on this. I got it. Um, there's a certain person I, cause you said, you said, Mr. Robot, I thought, man, uh, Rami Malek would be really great here. But Shamik Moore, who plays the voice of, uh, Miles Morales, um, I think Shamik Moore could really be, uh, P.I. I think he'd be a great P.I. I don't know if you've ever seen him in anything. Um, but he's on a terrible Netflix holiday movie. Just look him up. He's on, I don't know what that movie's called. It was very bad. It's also got uh, the friend from uh, Spider-Man No Way Home um, in it as well, but bald, um, uh, as I think he typically is. Anyway, weird little comic book asterisk on that movie, but Shamik Moore, I think, could play P.I. It would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I'd be down for that. Um, and, like, bringing somebody, like, kind of crazy like maybe uh what's his gaspar gaspar no way like somebody well, would like be that. so uncomfortable <laughs> the whole time and so i say let's go with kathy yan from birds of prey <laughs> okay like get get all the crazy visuals but not such a crazy ethos that i would be uncomfortable the whole time okay that works <laughs> compromise compromise um well um so I'm running out of time, so this would be a good time for us to sign off. Logan, where can they find more of our podcast and more of your work out there on the internet? Uh, go check out xwingfiles.com. Um, we just finished talking about the book of Boba Fett and had uh, our, our good friend Tim the Java joined us to discuss that. It was a fun conversation. And then go check out the movie aisle, I-S-L-E dot com for all the written stuff i'm doing uh which i'm kind of low-key proud of so and you should be and definitely check that i second that emotion um so you can find me spencer on twitter uh it's at film dispenser like a pez dispenser but for movies um and feel free to if you've read the private eye and have some thoughts on it we'd love to talk about any questions or thoughts you have or things we should consider um otherwise get to reading saga issue number seven um and we'll be back with our next episode uh, breaking that issue down and going forward until we get to another break at which time we'll be uh looking at some more Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin work, which is totally by accident and uh, very exciting. Um, but until then, this has been an awesome conversation with you, Logan. I've really enjoyed it, um, and I hope you guys have a great week. Bye, everybody. And we'll ride it long enough if they let you This is a family matter, the casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through